Hi, everyone. This is America Adapts, the climate change podcast. Hey, Adapters. Welcome back to another exciting episode. I'm Doug Parsons, your host of America Adapts. In this episode, I talk with Peterson Toscano, the host of Citizens Climate Radio, a podcast focusing on climate communication, climate art, and climate activism. This is the 10th climate podcast that I have featured on America Adapts. I really love these episodes. Also, the adapters speak. I got to interview some America Adapts listeners where we dig into why they listen to the podcast, how it's helpful to them, and the recommendations for future episodes. You're going to enjoy hearing from these folks. Okay, in my last episode, I highlighted the work being done with Urban Forest and New York City. It was a humongous episode. The feedback has been tremendous. Lots of interest in what New York City is doing, and there are a ton of experts involved in that episode. Please have a listen. I'm really proud of what we did there. Okay, adapters, this is unusual. I've only done this once before. I want to dedicate this episode to Dr. Erin Lindquist. It's with great sadness to say Erin recently lost her battle with cancer at the age of 43. Yes, that's so incredibly young. I wanted to share just a little bit of her story with you. I knew Erin from my time at the Institute of Ecology at the University of Georgia. Erin and I were both graduate students there nearly 20 years ago. Erin ended up staying and getting her PhD at UGA and became a world-class ecology researcher, and more importantly, a hugely inspirational environmental mentor to her students and friends. Erin went on to become a professor at Meredith College in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is an all-women's university. For those who aren't familiar with the School of Ecology at UGA, it is a world-class program. I'm still dumbfounded they let me in. It was really just this amazing place, hanging out and learning from other graduate students and fantastic professors. Erin and I were both teaching assistants, and she led an introductory ecology class, and I led a basic biology lab. She and I would swap notes on ways to lead the classes, but Erin was such a better teacher than me. Her students loved her in those ecology classes, and she would always get these rave reviews. Erin was also active at the events that the Institute of Ecology put on. Erin was always so profoundly busy with classwork and her own extracurricular activities, but she always had an amazing smile and was always available to talk about being a graduate student. Only ecology grads will get this, but there were a few students that were just defining characters of our time there, and Erin was one of these people. And what was great about being part of that program is that you stayed in touch with your classmates, and you would inevitably make new friends with new ecology grads when you attended the events that they put on. Erin had so many friends from that program, many of them are very close friends with her, and a lot of us stayed in touch with each other over Facebook. So nearly seven years ago, Erin shared that she had cancer. She was really open and honest with everyone about it. Of course, you can imagine it was extremely scary for her. She was 37 when she was diagnosed, and also she was given the news at the hospital when she was delivering her second child. Talk about a bittersweet moment. On Facebook, Erin shared so many of her visits to the doctors, hearing how aggressive the cancer had become. At one point, many of us thought she literally had months to live, but she fought it and she gave her children seven more years, which if you understand the cancer that she had, that's a miracle. It occurred to me recently, I hadn't heard from Erin over Facebook, and I guess things took a turn for the worse. Her husband announced her death just a couple weeks ago. Erin leaves behind two adorable children and a husband who loved her dearly. Erin's academic work took her to Costa Rica, and she ended up marrying a Tico, Dr. Marsala Ardan Sayo, also a professor and an ecologist. So adapters, please don't share your condolences with me. Erin and I were not close. We would only occasionally stay in touch over the last few years, but I wanted to share Erin's story. What's so amazing about the ecology program at UGA is what the graduates end up doing. Many become world-class researchers. Others go into conservation and lead in that area. Erin did both. Erin left behind many close friends she made at UGA, and they can attest to her enormous legacy. Not only did she do world-class research, but more importantly, she was a mentor to hundreds and hundreds of students over the years. And those students are going to become environmental leaders and leave their own legacies. And many of them acknowledge Erin's role in creating a passion for science and a passion for conservation. I hope her children get a chance to understand how influential their mother was to so many people, especially women who she influenced to get into science careers. I've included some links to Erin's work in the show notes. I've also included a video she made sharing what it was like to get cancer and how she's dealt with it over the years. It's an incredibly honest piece, and it's an 
incredibly inspirational. And there is a link to Meredith College where she worked, where they have set up a scholarship in her name. This is such an excellent way to honor Erin, to provide funding for future students that can follow in her footsteps. Her teaching legacy will endure. Please consider going and giving a donation in Erin's name if you want to see a new generation of environmental leaders follow in her footsteps. The link is in the show notes. Okay, I think it's appropriate and Erin would approve that we would get back to the podcast and learn something about important environmental issues. Up next is Peterson Toscano of Citizens Climate Radio. Hey Adapters, I am here with Peterson Toscano, host of the Citizens Climate Radio podcast. Hey Peterson, welcome to the show. Hey Doug, so great to be here. Yeah, we've been chatting a little bit and now I have you on the podcast. I'm very excited and we've kind of, you reached out, then we kind of had conversations going off and on, but here we are doing a recording and so I'm very happy to be hosting you. And so for those who aren't familiar with your podcast, what is Citizens Climate Radio? Citizens Climate Radio is a podcast for people who are engaged in climate work. It helps people become better communicators and to know about the many different aspects of climate change. So we will cover everything from sports to pets to engineering to the gosh, all over the place. And every episode, though, it's designed to help people be better communicators. So there's always a puzzler question in every episode where people can answer the question. They can call in and leave the responses. I have some of the best climate experts in the world speak who speak about climate change, Dr. Catherine Hayhoe and Sarah Peach from Yale Climate Connections. And the other thing, though, that makes the show special is I have a section called The Art House, where I feature artists who are doing work around climate change. These could be writers, musicians, dancers, people in theater, visual artists. It's a whole gamut. And that's really important because the role of artists in communicating climate change, helping the people understand what's going on is critical. And there's some amazing artists out there doing some brilliant work. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few more questions about the structure of your podcast, but just quickly. So how many episodes have you done? I have done 38 episodes, working on episode 39, which is going to drop at the end of August. Okay, so in typical, though, I mean, what, what's your schedule? Kind of how often do you publish? We do a podcast the last Saturday of every month. And it, it's well worth a wait. I, I've, I've listened to some. I have, I've just started subscribing, and so it's something I have to start listening to your archive, but highly produced. They sound fabulous. I'm, I'm jealous of you know, what you've done there. It really is. And so this structure that you have, you, you have sort of like a main interview, then you have art house, and then you have the puzzler. And that's pretty typical for any given episode, right? Yeah, it's pretty much always the same. And there's a few where the main episode is like so intense that we we kind of eat up the art house. I did one called Apocalypse Now, raising the question, do we use fear tactics? And I know this is something you're going to be speaking about with a guest at some point. And, uh, and that one went longer because it was just such a deep dive into that talking point. Should we frighten people? What are the benefits? What are the complications of it? And I've done a couple of other deep dives like that into denial, into what does the Bible say about climate change, those sorts of things. Right. I listened to the one on the, the Bible and climate change and, yeah, dropping a lot of Bible verses. And so, you know, if you you are a Christian, I think it would be very interesting on just how those things are referenced. Very. <laughs> uh, I spent some time in church, but I don't know my Bible very well. And it was very you could learn a lot. So you're it, just well done on that episode. What was fun about that episode was I interviewed three evangelicals. So two of them are involved with Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. And I don't know if you've had them on yet, but you definitely should consider them as guests. But the third was just a local pastor who had nothing to do with climate change. In fact, when I contacted him, he said, I don't think you want to talk to me. I'm not that guy. I said, just sit and think about it. What does the Bible say about climate change? Three weeks later, we got together and do you know he saw all sorts of things in the Bible he had never noticed before that he began to talk about, about creation care and being thankful to God for what God's given us and caring for our neighbor? It was kind of eye opening. And he became the moral center of the piece, even though he's someone who doesn't technically believe that we should be that concerned about climate change. It was really compelling to see that. Gosh, it seems like if you could capture that process that he went through, that could be a learning lesson for a, a lot more people. 
Yeah, now that's the only episode that really deals with the Bible. The, the other episodes deal with lots of things I've had professional sports players on and race car drivers. I really love the episodes that dig into a pe- person's story so you can kind of find out their backstory and the, uh, along with the work that they're doing. You do a lot around adaptation, and one of my favorite episodes is with uh, Dr. Hugh Seeley, who's an environmental engineer who's originally from Barbados. And it was just so amazing seeing his own trajectory into the world of climate ad- adaptation, particularly with sea level rise in his own islands, but the training that he got in Canada. And that episode just kind of opens up in a way that you don't ex- expect a, a conversation with an engineer would be that interesting, but it definitely was. Well, I was going to ask you that. So you do you cover the issue of adaptation? Apparently you do. Is it, have there been other episodes or has it been coming up as a topic that you feel like you want to cover more? You can't help but bring it up for a couple of reasons. One, it's it's part of how we need to address climate change. So the episode I have about pets and climate change is all about how can you protect your pet and farm animals in a time of climate change? What must we do to adapt to that? Public health obviously is a big issue, and that comes up a lot, as well as issues of racism and issues of having to do with environmental justice. With bigger storms, we need to be thinking about policing because if you live in America and you're having a hard time on the streets and in police custody on a nice day, what happens when all hell breaks loose and it's an extreme weather event and it's a state of emergency? So these issues definitely come up. We don't focus primarily on adaptation like you do, but I find that when people really need to become encouraged and engaged, it's great to talk about adaptation because that is something that we have control over. That's something that we can do something about. Mitigation is essential, but it can get so frustrating because there's so many players and moving parts out of our hands. But adapting to climate change, that's something I can start right now in my home, in my community, in my region. Okay, so you've already alluded to multiple episodes that you've done, but if there's two or three kind of primer episodes that you would recommend, and maybe I I can include those in my show notes for this episode, which ones would you suggest people get started with? I think the episode that looks at engineering climate solutions with Dr. Hugh Seeley is a really great episode all around with all three of the segments. They work really well together, and it's a really powerful one. Uh, If you're interested in looking at talking points, I think consider the episode either What About the Children, which it raises the, the idea of, like, do we use the talking point? Let's do it for the children and the grandchildren. Or the one Apocalypse Now, which asks, you know, should we use fear tactics in talking about climate change? And an episode that people seem to really, really respond well to is one that looks at the various roles that change makers can make. I had Eileen Flanagan on, and she talks about these four traditional roles that change makers can, can take, advocate, rebel, helper and organizer. And that's a great one. And then I jumped off and I actually interviewed some rebels, Extinction Rebellion folks and uh, students who were protesting. And then I do an episode about people who are advocates to help get a deeper understanding of what both rebels and advocates do. Like I said, I haven't listened to many, but I've, I've looked through the descriptions and they just they sound so diverse. You really it's probably your own natural curiosity, but you really kind of dig into some of these issues, have some great conversations with some interesting people. And, yeah, I'm quite jealous of the diversity. Yeah, you've just, I don't know how you even approach it. Is it, oh, I want to cover this topic or are people suggesting topics to you? People definitely do suggest topics. Uh, I get to travel a lot with the work that I do as a public speaker. So I get to some really cool places like the Philippines and throughout the U.S. and the U.K. And I get to meet a lot of people along the road. So I have an episode I love about the Philippines uh, and this one island. I mean, there's over 7,000 islands in the Philippines. How do you do a story about climate change? And one way is, well, let's just talk about one island and one family and one person. Let's start there. And I, I love that story. But there is a lot of curiosity. My own background, I am never been an environmentalist, never been involved with climate stuff. Uh, in fact, for a long period of my time, my brain was not operating very well because of conditions I was in and the church that I was in. came to my senses. I came out gay. I wanted to just use my brain. And that's what I love about climate work. There are so many problems <laughs> and so many angles. Just communicating it, there's so many problems that it's just like these elaborate puzzles to try to solve. 
we've chatted a little bit about this, but you, you are an activist on LGBTQ um, uh, issues. And I've done one episode, had a very short conversation. It's an area that I, I want to come back to. But how is climate change impacting that community? How have you been involved sort of with your advocacy around it? Yeah, I've done a, a number of presentations and papers about it. I have this one show I do called The Queer Response to Climate Change, What Would Walt Whitman Do? And partly <laughs> what I think is important is looking at how we've responded to previous crises. So I've done a lot of work around looking at ACT UP, a group that was involved in the early HIV AIDS activism, and the fierce, creative ways that they went about to change systems. And that as a model for us to look at today with climate is really an interesting thing. I think a lot about adaptation because you can have a storm, an extreme weather event hit a region, but it doesn't reach people equally. I mean, we're all in the same boat together. We're just not all in the same deck. And that's true because of race and class and ethnicity and gender and gender identity and gender presentation. So if you have a storm that wipes out housing, but you're a trans woman of color who's already struggled to get affordable, safe housing, suddenly it just becomes that much more difficult. So looking at LGBTQ youth homelessness, adult homelessness, the unique situations that affect LGBTQ plus seniors, there's a lot of different areas where we are affected by climate change differently, but we also bring to the table so much. We know about resiliency. We know about changing systems and laws and policies. We know about building community. These are things that we've been forced to do. And we know about creative communication. And so I think that drawing on LGBTQ lives and experiences is absolutely vital to the climate movement. Well, I find that fascinating. And you and I have talked about collaborating on a longer episode, digging into what you just described. And I think it'd be fascinating, like the even response to the AIDS crisis. How can adaptation and resilience movement learn from the lessons that with that crisis hit the community? And so I, I'm excited. You and I are, are chatting about this. And so for my listeners, we, we are going to return to this topic and it, we just don't have enough time now. But I, I think that's fascinating. And there's there's a lot to learn from that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I love your show, too. And I love this idea that on podcast, we can be mutually supportive. In the early days of podcasting in 03 and 04, that's often how it was. And people would even put bumpers and, and trailers and promos at the end of their own podcast for other podcasts. And they would have each other on as guests. That was a lot of the culture. And now it's become very commercial. And I understand that. But with the world of climate, I think it really makes sense that we model collaboration and model mutual support and promotion. Yeah, you are my 10th climate podcaster to come on my show. And I, I it's a treat for me to kind of interview and learn what you guys are doing. And so I, I love doing it. I'm just hoping that someone like Joe Rogan wants to invite me on to, <laughs> to, talk, to explain what my podcast is. But I'm not sure if that's coming. All right. I just got a couple more questions for you. And as I mentioned, we, we're going to re revisit it. You and I are going to collaborate on something here. Uh, so, Peterson, you have, as you'd mentioned, a recurring uh, thing on your show with the puzzler question where you ask your listeners to answer some questions and you show that in your show notes. And you are now going to share one of your puzzler questions here on America Daps. Yeah. Yeah. It's one that you actually inspired, Doug. So okay, here goes. Great. So here's the puzzler question. On Facebook, you connected with a childhood friend, Lydia. She has become worried about climate change and is wondering about what she can do right now to prepare for the effects of climate change. While she admires your work in mitigating climate change, she feels a growing interest in adaptation. Lydia asks, what are ways I can help my community to get ready for climate change? This is a big question and hopefully the beginning of a larger discussion about climate adaptation. So what are some ideas you have for Lydia? Where might she start in adapting to climate change? Okay, Peterson, we're going to have a little bit of a cliffhanger situation. My listeners, if you want to know what my answer is going to be, Peterson's going to ask me that same question when I appear on his podcast, which should be out soon after this episode is out. So go check out his podcast, subscribe, listen to that episode and see what I have to say. Sorry to leave you hanging, Peterson, but we're going to bring people over to your podcast uh, to hear the answer. No, no worries. I'm very happy about that. You're all very welcome. There's a lot of airspace for all of us. All right. Last question. And I ask this of all my guests, Peterson, who would you recommend to come on my podcast? 
Oh, uh, no doubt. Karina Newsom. Karina Newsom is with the Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. She's an African-American biologist doing work around birds. She's worked in zoos. She talks about justice and race and faith and community and science in such an engaging way. I think she would be an absolutely fabulous guest. I would have said Dr. Natasha Dijonette, but you've already had her on, but definitely have her on again. She's brilliant. Awesome suggestions. And Peterson, thank you so much for coming on. I think it's super cool what you're doing. And folks, these are really just awesome episodes. He's put a lot of effort. They sound great. They're so highly produced. I feel like I'm listening to NPR or something. So thanks again for what you do and thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks, Doug. Thanks for what you're doing. Okay, adapters, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Peterson Toscano of Citizens Climate Radio. Up next, I talk with some America Adapt listeners. I was at a recent event where I got to meet a bunch of you in person, and I recorded these conversations that I want to share with the rest of you. Okay, before we get into that, I want to thank the Serendipity Foundation for their recent incredibly generous donation. I'd also like to thank two new donors, Lewis West and Ginger Wireman. Thank you. America Adapts cannot continue to provide these stories without the support of our listeners. On that note, let's hear from some of these listeners, or as adapters as I like to call them. This is America Adapts, the climate change podcast. 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 <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> That's perfect. Emily Wasley. And I'm from Oakland, California. I work for the Cadmus Group. I'm a climate adaptation professional, and I work on personal resilience on the side. Emily, Emily and I are old friends, and it's a treat to have her on the podcast. I've been meaning to have her on for a while. Okay, so I'm interviewing America Daps listeners, and so it, it's really just a thrill when I meet listeners in person. And I just, I'm trying to get a little bit of background. So how long have you been listening to America Daps? Since its inception, I think, what now, three years at least? And it's just, you know, so many new voices, so many new perspectives, not only adaptation professionals, which I love. And the fact that you're getting out in a voice, hearing voices from folks that may not be the traditional adaptation lead, but someone who's in a leader in their field and a leader in their community, you're able to get their perspective, understand what they may be struggling with or what they're facing and ask the tough questions because that's what you do. You're Doug Parsons. You ask tough questions. <laughs> I still think of myself like this is the Forrest Gump of interviewers. Thank you so much. That, that's awesome. Has the podcast, and this is what I'm really going for with the podcast, has, do you feel like the podcast has helped you in your day job? Has it been relevant in that respect beyond just something enjoyable to listen to? Yeah, it absolutely has because a lot of times I don't have time to read everything that's coming out in the adaptation field and you're able to capture in half hour segments or longer, you know, conversations with people and those conversations and those connections are so much more meaningful to me than reading an article that someone wrote that is just being put out for others to absorb. So you're able to have that conversation, that dialogue and that connection, which is a huge component of adaptation and resilience in itself. So what are some of my blind spots? I hear from listeners all the time, oh, you should interview this person or this topic. So what, what do you think? And you're, you have a wide experience in adaptation. What am I missing? You know, I'm, I'm wondering if you have interviewed people that really don't know what to do and don't have all the answers and are struggling with how to move forward or how to solve this complex issue of climate change or how it can affect what solutions they can take to or are taking to be a adaptation leader in their own right, in their own profession, regardless of what they do. How do you listen to the podcast? I listen to it while running along the Lake Merritt in Oakland, California. I love it because I'm able to get out in nature. I'm able to be around people and I'm also able to be learning. I'm a sponge for new information. I just love hearing different perspectives and listening to what you have to say and what people that you interview have to say. I think you told me one time when you were, we were running around the lake and you were even like talking out loud about one of the interviews or something. You were just like, I don't know, yelling. Oh, I don't know if you're disagreeing. <laughs> it was the interview with Judge Hill. 
And I can remember because I used to work and I still work, consider adaptation to be one of this component on climate change and national security implications. And so Judge Hill is a huge advocate for that connection. And you were asking her a question of, do you think the new administration is a threat to national security when it comes to climate change? And I just thought that was a beautiful way to frame the situation right now, because I honestly think the disservice that the administration is doing is really putting us at harm's way. And I think that public figures like Judge Hill know that. And I love the work that she's doing. And I I would hope that she would acknowledge that. She probably had one of the most striking presents I've ever been. You just walk and I just shrink. She's just, you look at her history and I was so grateful that she did the interview, but you just, I'm dazzled just even standing next to her. And she walked, she ran circles around me. I was trying, she's a lawyer and you know, some questions she, she played with me. So. Well, and she knows how to do that, you know, and it's, she's brilliant. She is such a force. She's so intelligent and she's a normal person. You know, you if you met her on the street, you wouldn't know how incredible she is until you spoke with her or until you were in her presence and you understood kind of the the aspects and projects that she's worked on in the past and her just knowledge and information. But she's one of those kind faces and kind people that um, is so caring about other people. So it's just nice to know her and nice to be connected with her. Well, Emily, thank you for being a listener. Thank you for being my friend, but thank you for coming on. Thank you, Doug. Always a pleasure. My name is Patrick Marchman. Um, I'm a mitigation champion with Resilience Action Partners in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, you might recognize that name. Um, I interviewed Patrick for the National Adaptation Forum episode. Patrick came up to me. These are one of those awesome moments. Like, hey, are you Doug? So you're familiar with it. And I love meeting my listeners. This has been fantastic. And so this is what this episode's all about. So how long have you been listening to America Adapts? About two years. That is a long time. Thank you so much. I, what I'm asking folks is, has the pod, how has a podcast been beneficial to you in your day job? If it has, you can be honest, brutally honest. It's given me perspective, and that's really important to actually think outside the box. And I think, you know, I'm thinking of one episode a while back, which was about the legal, sort of the legal aspects of what happens with sea level rise. And that really provoked a lot of thought about, you know, wow, it's not just about, again, the measurements of the inches or whatever. It's about what about legal regimes? What about, you know, what affects and how we organize ourselves on the landscape? It's been really, really helpful. That was a Margaret Peloso, You Can't Handle the Truth. Yeah, that was a very popular episode. She was great. Any other episodes that have kind of stood out? One, I, I really liked the, the episode with Jesse Keenan going back over and discussing the state of adaptation. And the ones in Australia, simply because, you know, I've always wanted to go to Australia and never been. But yeah. Okay. And so what am I missing? What are some of my blind spots with the podcast? What would you like to see? The kind of people you hear me talk to or topics? I think probably, I mean, I, I think it's a great selection. And again, it's a lot of people I don't really know who they are, which is really informative. It helps me. But I think maybe, again, like thinking about scenarios, you know, longer term scenarios. I think also more, I think more, more outside of the U.S. I know you've, got, you've done work in, in Australia, I think in Africa before, but I think you know, there's a, a lot of um, people like I'd say in North America, Canada, Mexico, uh, and Europe and such, and really kind of trying to create the sort of community of ideas and so we really need to learn from each other wherever we are and i think that'll be a really good opportunity i don't know if you remember the name sean martin from wwf he's been on a few episodes and he hassles me he's like you shouldn't be called america adapts you should be called earth adapts or something Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, it's, it's a U.S.-focused podcast, and it's fine. But I did like the one also, the episode with the University of Waterloo person. So I think it was really helpful. But, but yeah, it is what it is. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. Again. Hey, Adapters. I am back, and I am with a, a listener who's been listening for about six months, and I am with... Lynette Rangel. Okay, how did you find out about the podcast? So I honestly stumbled across this podcast by simply typing into my podcast app, Climate Change Podcast, because I have just been really wanting to delve into this space in a bigger way and become an expert of sorts on it. And this was one of the first to pop up on the list. And the fact that it was a podcast that focused on adaptation specifically really intrigued me because 
to my knowledge, it ha- it's a very new field and it's just now emerging and evolving. And so I was like, oh, I really want to learn more about this because we're now at a space and time where we need to start focusing more on adaptation and solutions because climate change is obviously happening. We're seeing it every day around the world. And so while mitigation is still incredibly important, really we now need to be working in the adaptation space to be preparing for the effects that are already going to happen even if we were to cut all of our emissions tomorrow. So what do you do? I am a Master's of Environmental Management student at Duke University and am focusing my studies on environmental economics and policy with hopefully an emphasis in climate adaptation and policy. Are you sharing the podcast with instructors or fellow students? I have shared with fellow students. I have yet to do so with with uh, instructors. So that is something that I will work on. <laughs> okay. So any particular episodes that have been has it, how has the podcast I guess been useful to you? Is there any sort of context that has been useful? I would say it has been useful mostly as a motivator and as inspiration because. As I'm sure many people in this space can relate, climate change is oftentimes a depressing subject to think and talk about. And especially working in this space, it can be overwhelming with how dire things are getting. So I think what I've really gained from the podcast is just being inspired by folks that are like actively tackling the challenges that lie ahead of us and they are giving their all to help solve the problem and address it head on. Okay, and so what am I missing? What are some topics you must occasionally go, gosh, I wish you would talk about these things or to this person? Hmm. I don't know if you have already done an episode on this. I have not been able to, like, actively listen on a regular basis. But definitely because it is the talk of the town right now, Green New Deal, it would be great to speak to folks that are working on policies that may be reminiscent of the Green New Deal um, in other spaces, maybe at a local level, state level. That would be awesome. Otherwise, I don't know, I guess like other just like innovative climate policies that are going on at a smaller scale level. I think there's a lot of emphasis right now at what our federal government is or really rather is not doing. So I think it'd be fantastic to get more guests on the show that are speaking about what like say municipal governments are doing to tackle climate change. In particular things like managed retreat and because I'm personally interested in it, like wildfire preparedness. Okay, so how do you actually listen to the podcast? I just listen at home. So I just like tune in on with my iPhone and press play. I don't know. It's through my, uh, my podcast app. <laughs> okay, what I was getting at is a lot of people commute or they go to the gym and it's, they have a routine. I was just kind of like, how, is your routine just you go turn it on at home? I would say I most frequently have listened to it when I'm traveling somewhere. So commuting, but like generally a longer commute. So I live in Durham, North Carolina. One of my best friends lives in Asheville. So I have oftentimes listened to your show while traveling between the two cities because it's like a three and a half hour long drive. And so it's really, really great uh, way to spend the time in the car. You're going to be able to hear your voice as you go on that trip (laughs) next time when this episode comes out, right? Well, thank you so much for being a listener. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. Thank you so much for spreading the word about climate adaptation and, yeah, inspiring others. It's appreciated. Hey, Adapters, I am back, and I am with an America Adapts listener, and it's... Christy Tabai. Christy, thank you so much for being a listener. How long have you been listening to America Adapts? Two and a half years, maybe. That's probably the longest of all the people I've interviewed here. How, How did you find the podcast? I was just, I think I just entered climate change into a search, and that's what popped up. America adapts. <laughs> You're not the first person to say that. I'm so happy that I stuck climate change in my title. It's just good for the search in Apple Podcasts. I'm asking people, how has the podcast been useful to you professionally, or is it just more of just general awareness building? So I'm a student right now, and I've actually been using... <laughs> some episodes in quoting some episodes within some of my papers and the work that I've been doing. And it has obviously broadened my awareness of resources and work being done and how that work is being done, whether it's in terms of literature or law, finances. That, that's stuff that I don't think about because it's kind of, uh, well, I mean, I think about literature, but <laughs> finance and law is pretty outside of my wheelhouse. So it's really just broadened my perspective on 
all the work being done on climate change adaptation. What am I missing? What, what sort of areas, which I do more of? I mean, when you think, oh, I wish Doug would do this. Well, I do like the letters from listeners. I think that I know there's been a few episodes you've been busy, um, and so it's skipped a few episodes. Uh, but I do think you need to be asking listeners to be contributing a little bit more to the podcast. I think it's a valuable resource, and I think listeners could be doing more. All right. I like that idea a lot. Uh, any, anything else? Any speaker you can kind of think of? Oh, I'm really bad with names. What if I just name topics that I of episodes? Okay. The one on, I mean, I do really like the one that you, that I most recently listened to about indigenous Dr. White, because I listened to that right before I came here. And that set the stage for thinking about the idea of urgency. And now I've been keyed in on every time someone talks about how urgent climate change is, it just kind of brings me back to, you know, what was said around this isn't, you know, everybody wants to do something now, but it actually takes a lot of work and relationship building to get to a point where we're able to approach it in an equitable manner. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, his, his yeah, I love that conversation. I was able to chat with him. Okay. How do you listen to the podcast? What's your routine? People <laughs> the commute, oh, they walk their dog. I don't commute. I've been really bad about getting out and doing walks or runs in the morning or at any time at that for that point. So it's been mostly when I've had blocks of time, a big block of time. So in the fall, I was raking leaves and I pie. We have a decent sized yard and I popped it in and listened to a couple episodes while I was doing that. And uh, trips, if I'm on trips, I mean, that's a great time to catch up as well because I really have dedicated space in my brain to listen to what is actually being said instead of it being in the background. That's one thing. I really, when I listen to the podcast, I like being very intentional uh, about listening um, because I feel it's important information and I don't want to miss anything. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being a listener, Christy. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Doug, for all your work. Hey, Adapters, we are back and I am with Rich Bunnell. Okay, so Rich, I've we've been playing like back and forth on social media. It's been nice. I think it's been a while. You've been a, a listener for a bit, and so we actually get a chance to meet in person here in the forum. But I'm asking the, about the America Adapts podcast. How, have you, how long have you been listening? I've been listening to it for about two years. I started listening to it shortly after I got my degree in 2017 in, envir in environmental planning, and I was trying to scope out what was available in the adaptation field. And I, I look, and I'm a big fan of podcasts, and I, I started seeking out climate change ones and yours was the first to come up it, it helps that it has adapts in the title yes that the there was a lot of strategy in the title and the name and everything that but that's great so has the podcast been useful to you professionally are there particular episodes and how, how do you kind of use the podcast uh, well the episode that's definitely I, I wouldn't say it's been i wouldn't say this episode has been useful to me professionally but in terms of the way i think i really really loved the ones that you uh, where you interviewed elizabeth rush uh, about rising and uh, just just her other work doing creative nonfiction because uh, i'm more pop culture centric than your average climate adaptation practitioner i i, li I like to i like to keep my my right brain in culture and my left brain uh, on helping save the world um because it's just culture is just like Culture is part of just what I treasure about the world and what I want to save. So, well, I'm hoping to get Elizabeth back on. She just went to Antarctica on the National Science Foundation. I think she's going to write a book out of it, and she and I chat about her coming on, talking about those experiences. And she actually was a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize, so that was pretty exciting. Okay, so you are a regular listener, and you you know the podcast well. What are some areas, like I'm sure you're listening, you're like, I wish you'd talk to this kind of person or these kind of topics. What what, what do I need to do next? So I enjoy the podcast. I love the production. I think what i have to what i have to um, say about it is basically like the same it's a similar thing i say about a lot of podcasts and that like uh, i get a i get a lot of uh i get the episodes provide me with a lot of um great individual pieces of information but i'd i'd like to know like more about the connections between them and uh i mean you do themed episodes and and such but that's that's kind of like how it that's kind of how I view the uh, the adaptation landscape. I like to see like um uh, well work, working with ASAP. It's it's all about building and strengthening strengthening a network and I think that and just just knowing like what adaptation work is out there and how it, uh, how everything can benefit and reinforce one another. 
I guess I still don't completely understand what you mean. There's like kind of increasing some cohesiveness between the episodes and how particular guests are connected to each other. What do you mean? So that's the thing. It's it's a kind of a it's a kind of hard prescription to make because uh, I, I I guess I just like uh, like podcasts the best when they seem to have uh, when everything seems to link together in sort of a unified quest. But I don't know exactly uh, how to, how to tell you how to do that. It's a it's a very it's a very broad criticism and not really a very meaningful one. I like that though. Is there some sort of final adaptation step that we can take? And it's obviously going to be a never ending journey, but to the the ambition, I like that, is there. Okay, before we wrap this up, Rich is actually a podcaster himself, and I want to give him a chance to give a plug to the podcast that he, that he does that has nothing to do with adaptation, but what is it? Oh, well, thank you. I wasn't expecting that. Um, well, so I mentioned that I have my left brain in environmentalism and my right brain in pop culture. Popular music is very, very important to me, and I have a podcast called Discord and Rhyme, which is named after a Duran Duran lyric, and, it, uh, and we just go through albums song by song and try to really like dig into the again the connections between everything but that's basically how i think okay i'll have a link to to you, you if you want to subscribe to rich's podcast um i love pop culture podcast myself and i've been hassling rich that he needs to do some 80s hairband rock and roll kind of groups because that's my generation we are in fact doing def leppard's hysteria later this year oh wonderful okay thank you so much rich thank you nice to talk to you nice to meet you Angela Wong at the Masters in City Planning Program at MIT. Okay, so you are an America Adapts listener. How long have you been listening? A year or two. Is it a year or two? <laughs> I think two. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I'm curious, how did you find the podcast? I think I found it through, I think, one of the podcast apps on the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how has the podcast been useful to you? Is I mean, is it a resource for you as a student? It's been really useful in terms of conveying the latest information on climate change and climate change planning in a different form of media. So I've been reading a lot of reports, but the podcast has been really useful in terms of having, uh, in terms of like hearing from people working on adaptation, but through the interviews. So do you listen to any other climate podcasts? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, great. Are there any areas that I'm missing? Do you feel like, oh, I wish he would talk to these kind of people or this, these sort of topics? No, it's also very comprehensive. <laughs> okay, and so I've been asking folks, how do you listen to it? Do you, is it, do you have a commute? I mean, how do, you, how do you find time to listen to the podcast? Yeah, I usually listen, it, listen to it on my commute while going to school to learn even more about climate change and planning. You're a perfect uh, listener. Okay, thank you so much. Great, thank you so much. Okay, adapters, I hope you enjoyed hearing from some of the adapters. I have one bonus interview left, a short conversation I had with an intern who worked with me this summer. Folks, this is Madeline Zeef. Hey, adapters, we are back, and I have a very special segment for you. I am interviewing my intern, Madeline Zeef. Hey, Maddie, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Great. Maddie, I just wanted to introduce you to my listeners because you've been a great help for me over the summer. And so I just want to share a little bit about you. So tell us, yeah, well, who are you? So I am a third year student at the University of British Columbia. I study environment and sustainability and law. And I'm spending the summer in New York, kind of bouncing around job to job and having this internship, which has been so fun. So we actually got to meet. I went to New York when I did my New York episode, and you came and spent the day with me as I, I was interviewing folks. But yeah, it was a treat to meet you in person. Yeah, that was a really fun day. I loved the interviews and sitting in on them. <laughs> Get behind the curtain, actually, see how the interviews are done <laughs> and how sloppy and how haphazard it really is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so you're studying environmental-related issues. You're an American, but you're studying in Canada. What brought you to Canada? I really love the schools out there. I'm a big skier, so Whistler was a huge draw for me in Vancouver or outside of Vancouver. Um, and yeah, the University of British Columbia is so cool, and the environmental program is really impressive. So it's been really fun to be out there. Different experience for sure. Tell the story of how we kind of connected. So I emailed you saying that I was a big fan of the podcast, been listening to it, and that some of your guests I had been studying in school and I found them really interesting and just kind of what do you need help with? I'd love to, you know, get involved throughout the summer. And you emailed back and yeah, 
that's how it started. Right. Very simple uh, thing to respond to. Hey, I listened <laughs> to the podcast and I want to help. That happens somewhat frequently. And this was just perfect because you wanted to kind of dedicate yourself to an internship. And OK, so what are some of the things you've been doing over the last few months? I've been trying on social media. It's been a little rough. I've been working with podcasts in the classroom with Kate, trying to get her guide up and going. I have been working on those interviews for you, do, with you, doing those, some of the notes from interviews, going, sifting through other people's social media accounts and things like that. And now hopefully getting started on some blog posts for you. Right. So you just kicked off writing a bit. I'm, I'm trying to add a writing element to the podcast and maybe doing a summary of each of the episodes. So we actually have a written part. And so I appreciate you taking a crack at that. And yes, it's it's kind of hard. As you discovered, you're in New York. I'm here in Tucson, Arizona. And so if people hearing some birds in the background, I'm recording this outside that <laughs> sometimes I've just it's hard to like, all right, you're over there doing these things. And it was really helpful to me to kind of think about this. And I'm not a good social media guy, and I appreciate the crack you took at, especially like Instagram and creating some of these short audiograms that we've been able to share. Doing social mm -hmm. media isn't easy, as you discovered, and I just, since you're younger than me, I, I defer to you when I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely not as easy as people think that it is, even when you are young and grew up around it, for sure. And we hope what really kind of outlives your internship with America Daps is, as you'd mentioned, the podcast in the classroom work with Kate Williams and I have mentioned on the podcast many times, but you're helping develop a guide. And could you just briefly summarize what, what's really going to be the purpose of that guide? Yeah, so that guide is going to be sent around to other people that are interested in making podcasts into more of a classroom lesson and different classroom activities. So the guide kind of lays out what you look for in an educational podcast, what you hope students will gain from the podcast and things like that. And then what questions you should be asking your students about how to analyze these podcasts. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. This this was something that kind of just came up with Kate, and you've been able to contribute to that. And uh, we really want to promote podcasts as an educational resource, and you, you've contributed to that. So I, I greatly appreciate your efforts on that. Yeah. A few more questions. And you're doing environmental work. You have a general sense of how policy works and how these things. But what, what have you learned about adaptation over the course of the internship? I've learned that it has a way bigger part in fighting climate change than I kind of ever realized. I never I didn't really hear about it too much um, until this summer. And it's just kind of all of a sudden blowing up everywhere I am, especially after we went to those meetings with the Office of Resiliency in New York. I feel like ever since I started working on this, I can't stop hearing the word adaptation everywhere. So it's pretty cool. It's, I feel like it's growing really, really quickly, which has been cool to be part of it. So do you have any ideas you're going to be going back to school and thinking about the work that you're doing there? Do you think you'll be able to bring a adaptation? And if, let's say, your professors or your classes aren't necessarily addressing it, any plans there? Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm president of the Environmental Policy Association at school, so I'm hoping to bring back some of the adaptation lessons into that and into some of the thing, events that we run, um, which I think would be really cool. Okay, 10 years from now, what's Maddie Z doing? Oof, God, I have no clue, but hopefully something that is helping change some type of messed up environmental policy and trying to get it fixed, but who knows how that will work. Or you're just going to be a ski bum in 10 years. That could, that's also a very high possibility. <laughs> Maddie did mention she instruct skiing and yeah, so that's always a nice fallback, but there might not be snow yes. left. And so you keep that in mind. True. <laughs> a couple more questions. I'm going to put you on the spot here. This is going to be potentially a tough question. All right. I want you to rank from one to 94, your favorite to least favorite of my podcast episodes. Go. Mm, okay. Number one, the one that I'm in right now, this one. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Good one. All right. I, I assume you haven't listened to them all. I just like putting interns on the spot like that. All right. A question that all I good. ask all my guests is if you could recommend one person to come on the podcast, who would it be? You know, as soon as I started this phone call, I realized that you were going to ask me this question, and I did not even think of it. But let's see. I think that it would be cool to get – Actually, the woman who you interviewed, who I've been doing work on, and I'm forgetting her name previously, she said something that I thought was really cool, but more people who are 
in the field working on day-to-day adaptation things on more of a smaller local scale. I think that's a really cool idea and kind of um, spotlighting different people who just kind of see this adaptation work every day. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Awesome. Well, Maddie, so you're going to go back to Canada and you're going to be in Vancouver in that area. And so I've mentioned that the big Canadian adaptation conference in 2020, you're going to be my eyes and ears on the ground looking for an opportunity for someone to sponsor American Apps to go cover that. And then you and I'd be able to work again at that conference. So I, I hope you're going to be on the lookout when you're there. Definitely. I look forward to it. I'm excited. All right. So I just want to sign off. I think hopefully Maddie's going to stay involved to a certain extent. I'm, school's going to, I'm sure, just dominate your time, but maybe a, an occasional writing here and there. But Maddie, I thank yeah. you so much for your efforts. And I know I'm sort of <laughs> I'm standoffish in the sense that we don't work together. And I hope that uh, you, you got something valuable out of it. Yeah. But thanks again for participating. Yeah, no problem. It's been such a great summer. Thank you so much. Hey, Adapters, that is a wrap. So you can hear my answer to Peterson's question on his podcast. It should be out soon. Links to it in the show notes. It will be episode 39 of his podcast. If you're going to look out there looking for it, go check it out and see what I had to say. I've mentioned before, and I will be mentioning in most podcasts, we started this resource, Podcast in the Classroom. So if you're interested in using AmericaDaps in your classroom, high school, professional settings, university settings, check it out. It's being led by Kate Bishop-Williams and a small team. Kate and this team listened to my most recent episode, and then they developed discussion guides that will be available on my website. You can go check those out now. The links are in my show notes. Please share these. We're hoping to get these out more. People are using podcasts in the classroom. They're great resources, and we're trying to spread the word. Okay, one of the joys of this podcast is I get to hear from so many people. Lately, I've been hearing from quite a few people that are looking to go back to school and get into adaptation as a career. People want me to recommend schools and professors that they can reach out to. I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I love brainstorming with you guys about these issues. So please continue to reach out on that and allows me to kind of learn how the field is evolving. All right, some travel. I am collaborating with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology on a migration episode that they are hosting. I'm going to be going to Boston for that. Super cool to be working with MIT. I'm partnering with MIT's podcast, Today I Learn Climate, on sort of a semi-joint episode. More information on that soon. Also, I'll be going to Gainesville, Florida in the fall to be leading a podcast workshop at a science communication event that the university is putting on. If you're interested in learning more about how podcasting can be a tool for communication for you, just reach out. Also, if your organization is interested in partnering on a specific podcast, let me know. Like that recent Urban Forestry episode, American Forest sponsored that one. You know, this is an emerging issue. There's still so many stories to tell. Reach out. Let me know if you're interested. Okay. If you are interested in having me speak at a public or corporate event, I do keynote presentations. They're lots of fun. I share stories from the podcast and my own experiences doing adaptation. You can contact me at my website, americadaps.org. All right. My upcoming episode, I have former Republican Congressman Bob Inglis, and we talk about free market approaches to climate change and what it's going to take to break the Republican Party's fever on rejecting the basics of climate change. It's a fun conversation. And I also talked to a few of the members of his organization, Republic EN, which is the free market group focusing on climate solutions. Don't forget, America Daps is now available on Pandora Music. If you use Pandora, just search for America Daps. Don't forget to join the Facebook page and the Facebook community group. Social media, I can always improve on, but the group is private, but we have some internal conversations. Just search for America Daps, and I will approve you to join right away. And we've had some really cool side discussions pop up on there. And there's just a general page too. So join that and share with your friends. On that note, I love hearing from you. I mean it. Say hi. Give me an idea for an episode. Tell me what you're up to. Tell me some cool work that you're doing. Tell me that you're interested in getting in the field. I'm at americadaps at gmail.com. Send me an email. It is the highlight of my week. Okay, adapters, keep up the great work. I'll see you next time.